Hello, Bomber fans, and welcome to the footy panel. Of course, coming to you from the Colonial Brewing Company here in Port Melbourne. Pretty disappointing result on the weekend, Scotty, mm. but um, probably playing the best side in the competition. Yeah, look at if you look at the scoreboard, disappointing. But I thought for long periods of the game, the boys played some pretty good football. Um, some players out. I think Bell Chambers hurts. Fantasia, Merritt, not in the team, uh, has a real impact. And then we do respect how good the Crows are, particularly on a fast track with the way that they're able to move the ball on Saturday night um, and their overlap and their skill level is just outstanding and then they've got a strong powerful forward line with many different options we saw Andy McGrath do a fantastic job on Eddie Betts but there's still Lynch, Walker, um, Jenkins, McGovern it's just a powerful forward line and that's the challenge for opposition teams and just being able to limit the flow of the ball they got 60 odd entries and when you get 60 entries yeah, that Eddie had, it's it. going to be hard to stop unless the pressure around the football is outstanding. And without Zach Merritt there, one mid down just made it that bit harder. So, been one of the concerns the last month. The defence had really, the whole ground defence had yeah. tightened up. But three of the last four weeks conceded well over 100 points. Yeah, look, they have. They've got, um, they're playing really up-tempo football but also allowing the opposition to play a similar brand. And two teams that uh, do it as well as anyone are the Dogs and of course Adelaide. So it's a dangerous game mm. you play. There's an element of Russian roulette and if they've got bigger and better weapons, uh, you'll come off uh, the wrong end of it, which the boys have. But uh, all in all, there's still some positive signs, I think, overall. What about, so what's the, the mindset of a player now? There's two games to go. You're a game outside the eight. You can still make it, but it's not in your hands. Must how win does that, How does that affect yeah. the way you go into a game where, you say, if you're a Melbourne, you go and you, know, you win two games, yeah. you're straight in the eight? It shouldn't change too much. I mean, it's simple that they must win both games. So we'll win those and we'll see what happens. And if we're lucky enough and the results go our way, we're in. If they don't go your way, well, we, we come away with um, a 12-win season but not having been good enough and losing a couple of games. And you'd, loss at the, you'd look at the games, the losses that have hurt, those critical games, and just know that in a competition so tight, slip-ups like that cost you a spot in the eight, which uh, it may well uh, end up proving. You mentioned the positives, and we'll talk to Bluey McKenna very short, mm. shortly, but Andy McGrath was one. Yeah. So, I mean, 62 inside 50s, yeah. and Eddie Betts doesn't kick a goal. Yeah, look, uh, it was uh, a super performance by him. I thought the way that he was able to control Eddie in his space and close down uh, those options was just uh, super. But then he's run and rebound. So not only is he playing on such a dangerous player, but he's... Pre- prepared to take off and join in the offence and have 20-plus uh, disposals. So really encouraging. And I'm sure uh, come the off-season, there'll be some debate amongst coaches. The back line, Coach Harles will be trying to keep him in the back line. And I'm sure Bluey in the midfield will be looking to get him up there. He'll be in the midfield next year, won't he? I mean, Heppel was the same. First yeah, year, half-back, half-back, rising stars, yeah. straight into the midfield the yeah, following year. Yeah, you would think so. Because, look, if we uh, to look at the... Um, midfield with a critical lens we would say that uh, any sort of leg speed that you can add to the midfield will be a significant benefit and it's required because I think that makes up part of that team defence if you've got too many guys that don't cover the ground well through the midfield will you allow the opposition to get out of stoppage easier get more space and then uh, less pressure when they kick it in and I think we've seen that in a couple of games so I'd imagine McGrath We'll spend a lot of time up around the midfield next year. What about that race for the Rising Star? I mean, Burton from Hawthorne's the, the short price favourite at the moment. Supr- the, I would say surprisingly, surprisingly, yeah. Given the roles that McGrath's yeah. played, really yeah. beaten. And Powell Pepper's got to be in the mix as well. Yeah, absolutely. Powell Pepper's uh, had a super year. And you do look at um, 
the context of the position he plays and so forth in through the middle of the ground and he's a big body and it's a long year but he's continued to stand up but uh, it's actually it's really hard to go past the uh, the output of Andy McGraw and if you delve a bit deeper and look at who his direct matchups have been he's played on some of the best small forwards in the comp and uh, been rarely beaten not only that he's won a lot of the football Carl Hooker's second half was really good mm. on the weekend. Can you, as a fellow Ford, explain his goal-kicking for me? He's uh, missed some from 20. He's kicked yeah. four from outside 50 on the weekend. Is that would the pressure st- off when you're outside 50? Would streaky be the word to streaky, describe yeah, it? yeah, streaky. Uh, yeah. Look, you know what? His, um, his technique when kicking looks pretty sound. Mm. He seems to me, uh, and being an ex-Ford, sort of look at that with a little bit more uh, attention and he sort of runs and he kicks through the line of the ball really well. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, I think perhaps within 25 metres he can poke at the ball. Mm. Yeah, just try and steer it through instead of kicking it through. Uh, that would be something that I've noticed, but I'm sure he spends a lot of time on it. And he got the reward. I mean, the week before, he still played a very good game of football, just didn't finish off his work. But then on the weekend, he was able to convert those opportunities. And just finally, we'll have Bowie McKenna joining us very shortly. But what are you expecting from the Gold Coast this week? It was coached bike for about a quarter and a half, that new coach feel. Yeah, we'll and in the end, like yeah, some of the other Gold Coast yeah. games, comp- me, they just drop right off. If I look at the Gold Coast right now, I would, and, and I'm coaching against them, I'd say, listen, expect them to, they can play a good quarter or a good half. But I'd question if you keep the pressure on them whether they can play a full four quarters. Continue to challenge them, and at some stage, based on what we've seen, they will drop off. Yeah, and one man that knows the Gold Coast Suns very well is their former coach and now Essendon assistant coach, Guy McKenna. He'll join us very shortly. Sends it long, and McKenna behind the pack makes the mark. McKenna kicks the goal, and the Eagles, it seems, are into the grand final. Well, fans, welcome back to the footy panel. Of course, coming to you from the Colonial Brewing Company here in Port Melbourne and ahead of a game against the Gold Coast Suns, we thought it was the right time to get Bluey McKenna back in. Bluey, first of all, how are you feeling? Uh, a little bit better, mate. Yeah, yeah. I had a coach from the uh, box on the weekend. I had the man flu from Tuesday to Friday last week, so uh, some feeling somewhat better. I'm a bit worried about Scotty Lucas leaning so far away from yeah, me. I'll lean across now, Blue. <laughs> I hear you're on the recovery, yeah. so it's all right. Yeah. We're back uh, in business. Yeah. I'm not contagious anymore. No. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And what, what was the final thoughts after Saturday night? You know, seven goal loss in the end, but there was some good things as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, they, they got hold of us a couple of times. I thought the boys uh, got their hands back on the ball and started to challenge Adelaide again, which was which is encouraging. But yeah, clearly they're, uh, when I say a, a league ahead of us, but certainly a grade ahead of us where, where we're coming from at the moment. And just showed how clean they were under under pressure with that contested football, able to get the ball forward. And I think the inside 50s were very similar, but again, I reckon they got the silver service into their forwards. They're able to take mark and kick goals, whereas we sort of coughed and spluttered a little bit at times to get our 50-odd inside 50s into our forwards. We didn't take our chances, and um, yeah, we're always just playing catch-up football. Is it? Do you look at it, Bluey, and go, a little bit of lack of pressure that allowed them to use the ball so well, or do you look at them and go, well, gee, they are just a very good... Uh, team at using the ball well? Yeah, I think a combination of both. Yeah. I think we were able to uh, apply pressure, but they were just still so good mm. under pressure. And I think that's what we learn a lot of ourselves is the fact when the pressure was applied to us, we at times look good and mm. at times we're inconsistent with it. And mm. uh, again, that's our great challenge is to build that consistency under pressure. Mm. And a massive amount of marks inside 50, over 20 in the game. Was that the defenders getting beaten or was that the service, the ease of the service coming in? Um, yeah, it's always uh, not having a close 
real hard look at that, but I would have thought my eye from the game said it was a combination of both. Sometimes the defenders did get lost, but sometimes some of our turnovers, certainly in the first half, we actually turned mm. the ball over badly in the back half. And I've said to Worcester a few times over the last few years, you can't have a structure for a structure. <laughs> you know, what you yeah. set up your structure, the ball's exiting your back 50, you should connect, 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 and get into our forward 50. But then there's a horrible turnover, and on the ball on the counter attack, you just can't stop it. So um, there would have been a bit of the turnover stuff in the back 50, but also then the service through a lack of pressure through the midfield, I reckon, uh, allowed them to hit their targets inside their forward 50. Considering the marks inside forward 50 and the supply they had, Andy McGrath did a wonderful job on Eddie Betts, didn't he? Yeah, as you say, for a first-year player mm. to be given you know, arguably the best small forward in the competition, you know, certainly over the last couple of seasons, it was a, it was a fantastic job. And given the, you know, they still had 50-odd inside mm. 50s, you talked about all those marks, maybe because their forwards were marking, there wasn't enough ground ball yeah, for Eddie no to, 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 to fight mm. it out. Although he, he did produce a little bit of magic, but yeah, I thought Pigeon's game... I think he would have had 20 possessions himself. Yeah, so yeah. defends really well, but mm. also gets in the game offensively well for us as well. Are they clearly the best side you've played this year? I mean, in Adelaide, when you played them too, they were very slick that night as well. Yeah, that was 80-odd points. This this round, again, 40-odd points. So 60-point sort of average. Um, yeah, just their, just their ability to absorb that pressure and then use the ball themselves under pressure and hit targets. And again, they get that continuity. They get their game going and they're very hard to stop. A real momentum changer, uh, the free kick late in the third quarter. Uh, were you surprised at the free kick, or do you look at it? I mean, there's a lot of debate around it, isn't it, in recent times? It's an and interesting that. decision yeah, the weekend. Yeah, across a few games. Uh, well, disappointing, I guess, is the question, isn't it, around when you've got momentum that a free kick's paid? Yeah, it is. My old man used to be a goal umpire, and he used to say, you know, you can bring your Philadelphia lawyers around, but once they make their decision, yeah, yeah. Just, just get, get on, on with, with it. it. But, yeah, there's certainly a you know a sigh or a, a moan or a groan if you like. Mm. I, I would never say that an umpire's decision is a momentum killer. I mean yeah. that shouldn't factor into your. I mean, they go either way, yes. and you, you, you got to uh, live with the, the the bad ones and get mm. on with the good ones, so to mm. speak. And um, yeah, it, it's just it's part of the game. But uh, I wouldn't have course I wouldn't have thought that was the cause for us mm. losing no, no. that. Mm. impetus if you like going after the football mm. and, and starting to own the game as best we could mm. you mentioned the midfield before the clearances are pretty even on the weekend the previous couple of weeks they've beaten badly around the stoppages is that one area of focus over the summer with i guess job going probably hasn't been as good around the stoppages this year is is that what the team needs to get in there a couple of really good stoppage players um yeah well, it's just finding that connection that's that's the you know with um maddie Lewenberger who rucked all last year for us and when you look at our midfield group, you know, Craig Bird, David Zarakis and Junior Merritt were basically our first three pick last year. You, you fast forward 12 months and all of a sudden it's Dyson Heppel, Joe Watson, Zach Merritt's been in. Uh, Craig Bird hasn't been in a lot, of course. He's come in and played one really good game against St Kilda. So just getting that con- uh, connection. But then Louis goes out for six weeks and then Tom Bell Chambers comes in. And just talking to him a couple of weeks ago, he said, well, I've never played 15 games in a row. Uh, before and I've never rucked 15 games in a row before as well you know so um, finding that connection between obviously the ruckman and our, our mids is, is certainly important um, yeah our last six weeks I think we'd actually competed we're almost uh, flatlined as far as um, scores um, uh, clearances for and against so that have been good we yeah the last two weeks have been poor but pre- previous to that I think we'd won the clearances by 23 so um, we're just finding our consistency around that um, around that stoppage structure if you like around the mid arc around the center bounces uh, we're certainly getting some 
stoppages in our forward 50, um, but still working on that chemistry amongst the boys is certainly going to be a factor over the summer. Talking about connection, it appears the, the last month or so, Hooker and Danaher working really well together inside the forward 50. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I still love another. Well, Jimmy Stewart's down there, and he's mm. starting to pick up the crumbs, if you like, and, and yeah. add, add some uh, um, some marking targets mm. up the ground, and also then he's starting to hit the scoreboard as well, and he's kicked a I would think about six or seven goals now over the last three or four weeks. Mm. He's actually been adding to the scoreboard, which is which is really well. The other thing he adds too that, again, he doesn't impact the scoreboard, who he does through Hooksy and Danaher because he gets up the ground and actually is able to mark and then transfer that ball mm. forward. Well, guess what? When he's doing that and trans, uh, transferring the ball forward, well, that's where Danaher and Hooker are. Yeah. If he wasn't playing, they'd have to get up the ground and all of a sudden we've only got one mm. target forward. So his ability to do some legwork for the lads... And, and vice versa for the other two boys too. When Joey's up the ground, that means Hooksy's deep. Mm. And when, when uh, Hooksy's up the ground, then Joey's deep. So, yeah, certainly the fall between those two, but if not those three, it's, it's working really well. And two weeks ago, it was Kyle Hooker's little head rub that caused a, a <laughs> bit of talk. And then on the weekend, it was Joey and, and Rory Atkins. What did you make of it when you saw it? Oh, mate, I've only seen the replay of it, but from... Do you even notice it? No. When the game's on? No, no, no. They are good mates. It's not like a random player. Yeah, they played junior footy together, and I'm sure, look, if... uh, if he'd run down the ground and kicked a goalie, well, it'd be a bit hard to jump on Joey's yeah. head, of course, because he's so big. But uh, I'm sure, you know, what goes around comes yeah. around. Yeah, I think it's a bit of fun. But do you understand how some people think it's sort of early in the second quarter, the game's pretty level and players are doing that while they think it's not the right thing to do? Or is it just people being far too sensitive? Yeah, I think it's a bit of that. Uh, I can understand why they question it. Um, I think part of the conversation was Adelaide, did they kick the next, they next kick six seven, or seven yeah. goals? Which I think is irrelevant. Yeah, correct. Yeah, nothing to do with that. <laughs> because I think if you asked the players out on the field who noticed it, probably of the 36, six or seven yeah. did in the immediate yeah. area. The rest don't have any idea. It's more the broadcaster decides to focus on it for a good five or eight minutes and put some tweets up on the screen that we carry on. But the game itself, and I'm sure the coaches, half of them... Once a goal's kicked, they're looking down at yeah. their or some vision or they're looking at their setups or forward of the footy. The rest of the game just continues on. So certainly we know that's how Joe plays. He plays with a real energy. Move on, I yep. think. I'm not sure Tex Walker would be looking down 120 metres down the ground going, oh, you see what you... Oh, no, I'm going to fire up. Now. Exactly. Just, you know, like, We're going to kick the next yeah. six now. I don't Come think on, anyone yeah. remonstrated. Yeah. No, no one remonstrated. So no. My... Who cares? Yeah. I guess we've got to find things to talk mm. about, but it is a really a who yeah. cares incident. Mm. Now, the sun. What happened with the Suns last week? What was your emotion watching on from afar? People once again saying, you know, that's a, a footy club's not going to work on the Gold Coast. It's soulless. It's got nothing. I mean, <laughs> how do you feel when, when you see that about your old club? Um, oh, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, obviously the AFL have made that decision to, to go there for all the right reasons. Um, obviously, with having the, the two teams in Queensland, I, I think it's the right decision. Um, it's. I always knew in my heart of hearts is it was always going to take a long time. I mean, even when they were thinking about extending the stadium um, to, from twenty odd thousand to forty odd thousand, said, "Hang on, just just wait a little bit here." You know, I said, "Just look up the road." And at that stage, when we just entered the competition, you know, Brisbane had been off what 10, 10 years since they'd won three in a row. Just about their crowds were down, their numbers were down. Um, obviously, sponsorship wasn't great up there, and then Brisbane's a city. Yeah, Gold Coast is not a city, yeah. so hang on, just cool our jets a little bit here. This is going to take a long time. and um, So I'm still of that belief it's going to take a long time. A lot of the support on, on the Gold Coast is a lot of expats. I mean, mm. North supporters will go and support Gold Coast as long as North Melbourne aren't playing. Essendon yeah. supporters will come and su- support Gold Coast. So they want to see footy. 
but that's going to take a long time. I mean, it is a um, uh, a place where a lot of retirees go, all that sort of stuff. So football's not their number one sport as well. It's not like we've um, Gold Coast has gone and joined WA or South Australia in in a far far place out, outside the uh, the CBD. It's actually gone into Queensland, a rugby league uh, territory. So it's going to take a lot of time. So um, they just have to keep. And look, we were in the early days doing a lot of a lot of hours in the community to make sure that the the, the, the fans were going to um, stick fat. Um, the problem is that the the, uh, the winds haven't come along, and as we know, when winds come along, everything comes along. You know, support, um, fans, uh, sponsorship, uh, the players want to stay, all those type of things. And unfortunately, they just haven't been able to tick over enough enough winds to get that that buy-in from the players and probably the community. It'll be a generational tie. 20 years yeah. one, it'll be the kids that you went out into the schools and showed mm. the game that when they get to an age where they're 19 or 20 that they can come along on their own accord yeah, I imagine. Well, yeah and I remember I mean even West Coast, I was a player at West Coast in 1989 I mean we used to joke about P- Peter Kamitsky, Peter Rent-A-Crowd we were getting 7 or 9,000, this is mm. WA football. Yeah, mm. footy state Yeah, mm. you know actually grown up playing Aussie rules football here's, here's their team in the AFL struggling to get support Nine, ten thousand mm. people at games at Subiaco over before the re- redevelopment before we became successful now you don't have to shut the gates almost six months out you know mm. because the line's that long but that's that I mean, that's a lot easier in WA because that's what they've grown mm. up on Gold Coast in Queensland is going to take a lot longer mm. what about Dean Solomon you know Dean Solomon well and Essendon supporters know him really well what sort of coach is he Oh yeah, very uh, very measured. Uh, a lot more detail to Solly than I reckon some of his teammates would have thought. I mean, he's very, uh, which surprised yeah. me when I was coaching with him. Uh, he, he loves his detail. He doesn't like to change a lot. He's you know very measured. Um, and as I said, yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be good. He's doing his level four. I think he's he's performing that really well. So uh, whether he puts his hand in it, I think he's as I said, he's a very measured person. He may not think that he's done enough, you know, time uh, with different coaches. He's had myself now. He's had Rocket. Uh, does he need to learn from another book potentially just before he takes that plunge? Um, but yeah, from from all reports, he's um, you know he's, he's the players love him. Uh, he's, he's that type of person that people do gravitate to, um, and, and he'll demand those those standards that you know only Solly could demand. What sort of coach do you think they need, Bluey? You knowing, I know you're three years since you've been there, but knowing a little bit about the club, the culture, and the community as such. What sort of or type of coach is best suited to that role? Yeah, I mean, I heard development type yeah. coaches and all that. I think most coaches these days, I mean, Clarko, you'd, you'd argue that he's a development coach. Mm. I mean, he continues to develop coaches and develop players. I think most coaches have that in them. Um, do you need it? I don't think you need a name per se because, you know, Mick Malthouse could go up there and yep. the community is still not yeah. going to know him a great deal I always no. say about Carmichael Hunt and Gary Ablett if the 100 supporters walk down the road I mean there'd be 80 on Carmichael's side and 20 yeah. on Gary's mm. side you know that probably has changed a little bit of yeah. course but you need um, a winning coach that's what they need well yeah in um, terms of in that market they just need to win yeah exactly mm. so yeah a combination of um, you know a, I want to say a hardliner but certainly a coach um, that's um, got a good track record of winning mm. because that's what they need yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I don't think they're far off mm. and I mean yeah, Rocket's been well, not blessed, but uh, um, cursed with the, the injury stick of, as well. So he hasn't been able to have that continuity mm. with his better players. And that's, you know, you've seen starts where in patches where they've been able to play three or four really good games and put that in a row, but they need to turn that into six, seven and eight. And then when you start to do that, guess what? You start to win enough games to get into the finals. Mm. They don't seem good defensively, though, do they, Scotty? No, no, they don't. Um, 
and even we, we look, I saw some of that game on Saturday night and, and a couple of games that I've covered live, and uh, they're very attacking and they move the ball really quick, but it's almost when the opposition get the ball that they are too easy to score against. No, no doubt about it, and I'm sure that'll be a focus on Essendon this week, just looking at how they can pick them apart and move the ball quickly, which the Bombers like to do to really put some scoreboard pressure on them. Yep, mm. so of course it's the Suns and the Bombers this Saturday night. Uh, stay tuned, Bomber fans. We'll put all your questions to Bluey McKenna in a sec. Welcome back to the Footy Panel, Bomber fans. Bluey McKenna is our special guest. And guys, just a few questions uh, on selection coming out of last weekend. Michael Hartley, the reason for him being left out of the side, particularly given the Crows have got such a, a big forward line. Yeah, we just, uh, we, there was obviously it was a tough decision between him and Paddy Ambrose. Um, and um, um, Mark Harvey just thought Paddy was going to give us a bit of flexibility. They obviously tall, but they can go small as well. And Paddy's shown it. He's, he's got a great engine, as we all know, Paddy Ambrose. So... It was a bit, uh, it was a tough call in the end because Hearts has done a fantastic job for most of the season. But yeah, just thought Paddy Ambrose was going to give us a bit more flexibility. Is it going to be hard to play Hartley and Ambrose in the same side, given they're both not that attacking minded? Um, yes and no. Um, Hearts is starting to grow that side of his game, but you know he's only starting his career, if you like, and that's going to take some time and certainly some encouragement and a little belie- a bit of be- bit of belief in his behalf as well to to really get going. Um, but yeah, Paddy's, uh, you know, he's such a weapon for us because he can play on those hard-working forwards and just deny them sort of that release out of the back 50 and then the connection into their forward 50. So, uh, you know, he's, he's invaluable, Paddy, for that. Um, Hearts doesn't have the tank yet to do that. Uh, it'd be great if he could uh, because, again, his ability to use the ball, if he gets up centre forward for us and can turn the ball over and then drive that ball back into the forward 50 off one step like he can do, that would be very valuable. But, yeah, so it's... Um, it's good having that selection dilemma because it's starting to drive the pressure and making sure players are performing as if they're not, they're going to get left out of the side. Now, another question off Twitter. Andy McGrath, will there be vigorous debate in the off-season as to where he plays between you and Harves? <laughs> yeah, is he a backman yeah, or is he going to be a midfielder? Um, well, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, <laughs> but there's certainly been some debate already with yeah. Wush. But uh, look, Wush has been fairly uh, steadfast in saying, look, he's, we know he, he's played midfield as a junior. He yeah. probably settled down halfback, mm. and that's where he became the player he was. Um, so we know he can play in the midfield. Leg speed is something we need around mm. the midfield. He makes very good decisions in a phone box, if you like. So, yeah, ideally he'll, he'll, he'll spend the summer, in my mm. humble opinion. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll spend the summer in the midfield group yeah. and then obviously start to play more in the midfield. Mm. Not many are spruiking him for the rising star, but he's got to be... Right in the mix. I mean, at Gold Coast, you had a lot of young players had an impact straight away. How would you compare McGrath's first season to some of those talented kids that came in and had, you know, like the Swallows and Bennels, yeah. etc.? Jago Mira. Jago was pretty he, handy. He, he, he wouldn't be far off Jago, the year Jago that, had for That's us. a big call because yeah, Jago yeah. was amazing that year. Yeah, well, his first year, we had probably when we had stopped winning three and three games, yeah. we started winning eight and, eight and ten yeah. games. So it was more when we were able to play more of uh, adult football, if you like, men's football. Um, so Jager, Jager was a big part of that. And basically what we've seen, and certainly our counter-attack off, back, off the back line for us mm. this year, Andy started a lot of that. Connor McKenna's done a bit of that. Some of the other defenders have too, but certainly um, Pigeon's done a, a fair amount of that. Heavy lifting, if you like, and a counter-attacking by hand and by foot off half-back. He's driven, so um, yeah, he, he's not far behind Jager, that's for sure. Mm. What's his greatest strength? Is it, is it his skill or is it just his, his coolness? I mean, you've thrown him so many big jobs this year and he never looks... 
Even when he makes a mistake on the field, he quickly butters up. Yeah, I think the word quickly you say is because he's got the leg speed. I mean, he's made some blues, um, as as any young defender does in the early part of their career. But because of his leg speed, he covers up pretty quick. And he's just ability to stay at the footy. Um, you know, he's, he's very busy around the ball. And sometimes he does make mistakes. But I'm sure people would see that and go, was that a mistake? Yeah, by the so time quick. the ball doesn't almost have time to hit the ground. He's already cleaned it up. And he's got the second or third handball away. And now we're running outside the back 50. And uh, Bell Chambers and Bagley, both come back this week? Yeah, I think Tommy Bell should be a chance. Yeah, he, he obviously, uh, again, he's had a big load given his last 12 months, of course. Um, he got a niggle in the foot. Um, we gave him a rest on the weekend, but fingers crossed that um, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to respond well to that. Now, two names that always come up on the Twitter page every time you throw them out there. They obviously watch the VFL a lot. Oh. Francis and Begley. Yeah. Are they a chance to get a game in the next two <clears throat> weeks? Um, well, it's an interesting one because, yeah, we've we got to be playing our best football because we've got two games, and if we want to play finals, we have to play our best team to, to, so we can play our best football. So um, I know Aaron Francis would be um, very happy with his uh, last quarter heroics. He was very good for most of the game, but to take that mark like he did in the VFL when Box Hill were coming, uh, to sit back in front of Tyrone Vickery, mind yeah. you, and everyone's got their opinion on Tyrone, but one thing he can do is take a, a nice contested mark and uh, mm. for him to go back with a flight and clunk that ball and basically save the game for the VFL side, which is fantastic. We understand how good um, Aaron can be. Um, he's had an interrupted pre-season, but his season's now starting to get some momentum. He's starting to look really sharp, uh, making some really good decisions you know, in the air marking the ball also, using the, the ball, ball, uh, ball by foot on hand as well. So uh, that's that's really encouraging. And Beggars has been banging on the door. He's, uh, I call him Dane Swan because he's a dead ringer. For, it looks like Dane Swan. Um, and the way he plays, he's just that powerful beast. Um, he runs a lot better than Swanee, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Moves a lot better than Swanee. Hasn't got the artwork like Swanee. Yeah, well, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> well, hopefully that stays away yeah. too. But anyway, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly scratching around... Um, the side and uh, again if he gets his chance and again where well, I go back to the Mackay game mm. he was one yeah, of our shining yeah. lights he kicked four goals so he might mm. he might like the Suns and maybe that's a, a call that we will make later in the week. Just finally what do you expect from the Suns because as we said before mm. you got that new coach spike for about a quarter and a half and then it fell away pretty badly so what sort of competitiveness are you expecting from them this week? Well yeah I mean as Solly said it's all about hard work and, and again if they got the spike for a quarter and a half I'd expect it for a lot longer um, and that's what we should be planning for because that's what Solly will be uh, demanding of the Suns and making sure that those players follow suit so um, yeah we, we can't expect them just to roll over in a quarter and a half um, we, we got to expect the game's going to be on for 120 minutes and, and go up there with our best side and play our best football and um, that's all we can do um, we just got to worry about what we have to do and Again, if our energy uh, and our ability in the contest and around clearances and the way we move the ball, um, we hope if we can do that as well as we can, hopefully that can suppress them. Well, Bluey, good to see you on the mend. Mm. Thanks for dropping by again. Thanks, boys. Mm. Thanks and, uh, for the Vicks too. Good Thanks luck on now. Pleasure. <laughs> Pleasure. Always here to help you out. Scotty, good to see you again. Remember, Bomber fans, it's Gold Coast Essendon Saturday night. Barrack for the Bombers and uh, let's hope for the Demons, Eagles and a couple other teams above us to have a slip up as well, including the Western Bulldogs. We'll see you next week on the footy panel.